today's session is on emotional intelligence. And the reason we are holding this session is because it's a very important topic to all coaches, or it should be at least, is something that we cover in our coach training program. And it's pretty foundational, pretty fundamental. So we thought it would be a nice idea to uh, do some webinars around these foundational topics to you know, spruce up or refresh the learning of people who already have done coach training. But for those of you who are in the audience who have not done coach training yet, perhaps this is something that will spark your interest and um, you'll join us one day soon, which we would love to have you. So Priya will be running the show today. Um, I will be monitoring the chat and checking for your questions, asking some questions later. But today's session is more of um, a show and tell versus our usual discussion because it's about, you know, imparting knowledge as much as it is uh, having a dialogue and answering questions. So please expect a small uh, lecture-ish style thing. And the other thing I wanted to mention is, I don't know, Priya, if you attended the webinar yesterday, but we had, it's funny how these things turn out. So yesterday we had another webinar on emotions, but it was um, a company that we are uh, collaborating with that uses artificial intelligence to detect emotion. So if you have not seen that, you can head to our YouTube channel. It's, it's up already. And um, you can hear, you will hear more from us on this topic in the future because the team that has developed this AI, um, the demo that we did yesterday with Ram trying to instigate emotions in me, kind of was pretty funny. Um, there were only five emotions, but I'm told that by this weekend, they will have 14 emotions. So take a look on our YouTube channel. Um, it's the sessions called Detecting Emotions, I believe. And uh, if you don't find it, take a look on our blog tomorrow at coacharya.com forward slash blog, because we'll have the session embedded there. And we will also have details on how you can register for um, the waitlist for a demo account so that you can play with the emotion detector. But it was really cool. So I'm very happy to have gone through that yesterday and to hear about emotional intelligence from a human uh, who is not artificial, who's 100% real uh, and is one of our trainers and not a shameless plug, a very uh, thumbs up, you're amazing plug. Priya is one of our most prolific trainers, uh, if not the most. I think she's trained more people than anybody else at Kocharia uh, to all levels. And um, her next foundation program is starting uh, on April 2nd? 3rd. 3rd. Ah, almost had it. April 3rd. So if you're in India, it'll be um, evenings, I believe, um, which means... April 3rd, morning 9 to 12 noon for the India. Foundation. India time, yes. India time, yeah, yeah, yeah. So for people in the US, that's super late, um, but that's okay. There's plenty of you in Asia, in Australia, who would love to train with Priya, I'm sure. And thank you for putting the chat. Okay, I'm gonna stop talking because clearly I didn't even remember what I was trying to say. So emotional intelligence with Priya, who's an MCC, and awesome and amazing and an expert in emotional intelligence. So Priya, I'm gonna mute myself, over to you. 
Thank you, Magda. <laughs> that was quite an introduction. Yeah, so uh, this is a topic that's very, very close to my heart. Um, and um, to the extent that once I began my coaching journey, I also got certified as an EQ fellow from an organization called Six Seconds, where um, you can do assessments in order to capture your emotional intelligence. And it also talks about competencies on how to develop it further. So um, I found more and more um, use of this in my role as a coach, um, in my role as a parent, in my role as a colleague and as a friend. And it just seems to be that it is, it's something that we can no longer ignore, right? And, it, and so we wanted to take the session and talk a little bit about um, what is emotional intelligence, um, to spend some time to understand what are some of the competencies that can be developed um, for your own emotional intelligence, to understand how this plays out in leadership scenarios, and also, more importantly, how it plays out in a coaching scenario. I'm assuming some of you here are coaches, some of you are um, leaders, some of you are both. Um, so it might be of interest for you to really understand there's a, I mean, it, it's the buzzword now, right, Malta? I'm sure you've heard everywhere, everybody's talking about it. And I think the pandemic has brought forth a lot of emotions in people and there has been a lot of focus on this. So today we're gonna to just start off with, um, it's, it's what? It's emotions, right? So let's hear from you. How are you all feeling? Do put in what you're feeling on the chat box. Excited, tired. Optimistic, awesome, curious, fulfilled, curious, calm, okay? Feeling great. A lot of curiosity I can see, happy, positive. Calm, okay, that's a good place to start. Interested? And I'm glad for that. <laughs> so that's good. Looks like some of you are pretty comfortable in being able to identify your emotions, your feelings, right? So let's step back and really understand what this is. What is emotional intelligence? And to be able to understand that, we must also spend some time to understand the makeup of the brain, the human brain. So just be sharing a small um, slide here. Let's just look at this picture. And what it tells us is that there are three parts to our brain. There's the action brain, which is at the base of your neck, the reptilian brain that we call sometimes, right? The amygdala rests there. What is the function of this part of the brain? The function is it's always scanning the environment for threat. The pure function is to keep you safe. And these days, because the human beings, human beings have evolved so much, it's no longer so much the physical threat as much as it's a 
psychological or emotional threat. So this part of the brain is constantly on alert and it, its primary function is to protect, fight or flight or keep you safe really. And then there is the emotional brain, which is the limbic system. This is where our emotions rest. And this continuously, whether you like it or not, whether you accept it or not, there is a continuous flow of emotions. It comes and it goes. Emotions are constantly playing out in our lives. Some of us are conscious about it. Some of us are conscious about it, but don't know what to do with it. Some of us are conscious about it, know what to do with it and leverage it in, in the way that we function. There is the third part of the brain, which is the thinking brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, right? And this is the brain which we call as the thinking brain. I'm just gonna stop share so we can connect that. So there are three parts of the brain and emotional intelligence is really about the emotional brain and the thinking brain conversing with each other. It's this conversation that makes you emotionally intelligent. Because there is, if there is too much focus on just the emotions, or if there is too much focus on the thinking, there is some imbalance that happens. We're not being intelligent enough. So it's when the emotions that exist, that run through ourselves, that we are experiencing is mediated by the thinking brain or the rational brain. It's when this, these two parts of the brain converse with each other, we have what is known as an emotionally intelligent response. So if, let's take an example of where only the rational side is functioning which means to say, let's take an example. Say you're deciding to move from one town to another. Yeah, and your rational brain says, yeah, it's, it's a good time, it's a good city. I'll, I'll get a better job there, there are great opportunities. It's good for my family, it's good for my children. Um, it's also not so good because I might have to start looking for new friends, new ways. It also would involve a lot of travel. So there's a lot of thought that's going on. And in that state of mind, we are not paying any attention to some of the emotions that we are experiencing. So the decision that we are taking from our rational space is a little harder because both seem all right. Both the decisions seem all right. To move or not to move seems quite all right to do if you really think of it rationally. So the action that you would take is to move or not move is one type of an action. But when we listen to the, our emotions, our emotion says, you know what? Everything around me is quite comfortable here. My children are at a stage where they are quite settled. My family is quite settled. My wife has a job. My husband has a job and they're all settled here. It's, I don't feel like moving, okay? So what, what we are feeling is um, some sort of a discomfort, maybe sometimes anxiety, a fear, it could be something. So decision take, taken simply only based on that would also not be something that is useful or appropriate. 
So when decisions are taken, when you, when you include your emotions, which means to say, if your emotions inform your rational thinking or your rational thinking will support how you manage your emotions, then we are making a decision, which is at least, it's not about being right or wrong, but we're making a decision that is in peace. We're making a decision in peace with ourselves. So it's really, the, the point I'm making here is that it's really important to understand that there is this conversation that happens, right? And all our feelings do result in some action. All our thinking do result in some action. So when we talk about feelings, when we talk about emotions, we are also saying that that somehow results in an action. And when these actions or these thought processes are continuously working on you, sometimes we fail to recognize the role of emotions. And when we talk about how both the rational side as well as the emotional side both inform each other, we are taking a better decision. We are taking a decision in peace. We are taking a decision that is appropriate and comfortable for us. So that's briefly how we can understand what is emotional intelligence. Now, there are a couple of competencies around emotional intelligence. One of the competencies is that of awareness. How aware are you of what you're experiencing as an emotion? And it was beautiful to see some of you were actually able to name some of those emotions. Right? So it's about you being aware in the moment what you are feeling. You are being aware. And the second competency is about, okay, now what do we do with our awareness? It's about managing that. So when we are aware that we are angry, what do we do? We have to manage it. We have to manage it in an adaptive way. It's not just a default behavior. It is to be managed in an adaptive way, in a way that works well for you as well as for the other. So awareness and management are two competencies around emotional intelligence. Now, this can be applied to both self and to the other. So self-awareness and self-management becomes one aspect of emotional intelligence. The other aspect is social awareness, which is how much are you aware of your environment? How much are you aware of the person in front of you? How much are you aware of what that person might be experiencing? How much are you sensitive to what is going on in their um, minds or what is going on with them? Where are they at this point in time? So that's about social awareness, the awareness of the other. And then of course, when you're aware of that, what do you do with it? So it is about managing the relationship. So awareness and management are two competencies under emotional intelligence. And this was first, first brought out and highlighted by none other than other than Daniel Goldman, because we now very easily associate emotional intelligence to Daniel Goldman. Um, he has brought it out really into the forefront and you know, 
made people take a look at hey you know what this is this is there out there be careful be it's important um, and it can be developed right so it is awareness of self awareness of the other management of self and management of the other so how does this play out in real time say for example you've had a very bad review march april is appraisal time you've got a bad review and you are feeling very frustrated about it and you find that whatever you try your you know your boss is always telling you it's not up to the mark you need to be do more you need to do do more right so it's it's you're experiencing something and you come back home from work and say your child or somebody says you know i'm feeling hungry you know what happens you just snap what really happened here you were not aware of what you're really experiencing you didn't know that you were feeling frustrated or um this um, you know what shall i say you you were not feeling happy about it right you were not sad but you're not happy about it or you might be feeling frustrated and you didn't even realize that you were feeling frustrated and when somebody else asked you something which is a perfectly normal question or request it just got projected onto the other person so it's really about understanding that you have to be able to first recognize what you're experiencing and then to give it an adaptive expression so when i say expression i'm often asked this question how can i just walk around with my emotions on my sleeve i can't go telling people around that i'm feeling happy i'm feeling sad i'm feeling this i'm feeling that no it's not about um uh, expressing in that way it's about adaptive expression expressing in an appropriate way to the appropriate person in an appropriate at an appropriate time that is emotional intelligence appropriate way appropriate person at an appropriate time let's step back to this example and see what would have been an appropriate way to express if you're aware that is that you're feeling frustrated one of the things that you can say is that i'm 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 really feeling frustrated at this point so recognizing that that's what you're feeling what's an appropriate to whom are you going to be expressing this so you can choose you can choose to express it to your boss you can choose to express it to your family member you can choose not to express it even but that's a choice and third part is at an appropriate time so i want to express this i'm deciding that i'm going to express this to my boss then i choose how i'm going to express this i have to express it in an adaptive way because i'm also sensitive to where that person is i'm also sensitive to the relationship so i'm choosing to express but i'm choosing to express it in a way that we keep the relationship i'm choosing to express it in a way that honors both me as well as the other person i'm not not expressing but if you choose not to express and that's a choice as well 
So this is broadly around how you can manage, become aware and manage your emotions. And I'm gonna share another screen um, which talks a little bit about how this plays out. What are some of the strategies? Some, what are some of the ways we can manage ourselves? At this point, I'm seeing a question here. There are different models of Daniel Goleman, six seconds, Geno's being widely quoted and the Agile EQ tool. tool. Yeah, so I think this is something um, I can only speak for what I went through. You'd probably have to look at what each one offers. And I don't have enough information to talk about what an agile EQ tool of Wiley would, would be saying. So my certification was from six seconds, which I found was quite practical because it also showcased some of the competencies. Okay, so I'm going back to the slide and I'm going to So we, we are at a stage where we understand that emotions do inform our actions, right? And this is how the competence comes out. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. Let's take this as a, a small step to see how we can manage ourselves in the moment. As an individual, you are composed of personality, value system, culture, norms, beliefs. This makes, these are all composite parts of yourself. And there is an external stimuli. And what happens is you react. So what do we do? How do we change this reaction to response? The same individual with similar or same stimulus, if they can just take a pause for reflection, they are now able to change their reaction to response. Now this pause for reflection, and this pause is something that you need to define for yourself. For some people, the pause can be just a deep breath. For some people, the pause can be just go for a walk and come. For some people, the pause can be writing. Just write what you're feeling. Right? So pausing for a second will help you to recalibrate. What actually happens is the thinking brain then sets in. So it's not an amygdala hijack. In this situation, it's a, a reactive situation. It's an amygdala hijack because you feel threatened in some way. And this is when you pause, it gives an opportunity for your rational brain or the thinking brain to come back and allows you to choose how you want to respond. When I'm angry, I can choose to respond by banging the door, sulking, screaming, staying quiet, or if I can just allow myself to be there, I can also make a choice how I want to express this in an adaptive way. So we respond and as human beings, we have this ability to respond. In other words, we take responsibility for our own response. Yeah, I'm just 
going to stop share there. So we spoke about awareness and management of self. Now, what happens in the space of the other? Have you, have you come across people who, um, you know, say there is a, there is a conversation on, on a critical matter that's happening. Four or five people are together and talking about it. And you have somebody who just barges in and, you know, jauntily and just cracks a few jokes and goes away. Completely insensitive or completely ignorant of what really is happening in that room at that point in time. Here is a person who is not attuned to social awareness, not attuned to what is happening around them. And if they are not aware, what happens? It becomes very difficult for them to connect with this because the group will say, where is this? What's he saying? What's he doing? Can't you understand what we are going through? So social awareness is critical to be able to, you know, my daughter often used to say, read the room. It's about checking in to say, where is the other person at this point in time? What is their experience at this point in time? You may not be able to get it right. You may not know fully exactly what they're experiencing, but you know that their experience is different from yours. And when that happens, you, you are giving yourself and the other person an opportunity to come to the same platform. When you're not sensitive to what is happening around, and how do you be sensitive? It could be a simple act of listening. It could be a simple act of being present in the moment. If that doesn't happen, you're at two levels. When you're at two levels, it's hard to connect, as you can see. In order to connect, we need to get to the same place. So relationship management becomes very difficult if you're not able to connect, build rapport, to establish that connection with the other person. And we know that as human beings, we are highly socially connected, interdependent, um, and therefore it becomes very, very important for us to develop this skill. And it's very easy to do that. It's just about listening. And what do you do around managing if you've listened you've heard what do you do then how do you how do you um, connect with the other person i'm sure all of you have read enough heard enough learned enough around empathy so it's a simple skill of empathizing with the other person that will allow you to connect with the other person and empathy must as you know very clearly be distinguished from sympathy Empathy is to say, I know that what you're experiencing is true and real for you. I know that you're experiencing something here and I understand that. I may not agree, but I do understand that. So you've got to start building relationships from where the other person is. Not expect the other person to move to you. And how many times have you seen that, right? You've seen uh, children cry. You've seen somebody says, I hate my teacher. 
immediately our response is no 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 don't say that you shouldn't say that instead if we can just take a minute and say i know that this is hard for you start from where they are you'll find that conversations flow relationships get built connection is built so empathy is a great connector and why do we struggle so much with this emotional intelligence a lot of it has to do with how we grow up our conditioning a lot of it depends on um, you know how uh, the education system has given a lot of focus on rational and the thinking side of of our lives and lesser importance to emotions you know many times we have said stop crying you're very emotional too sensitive just get on with it move on take your decision from your head not your heart i'm sure some of these social messages have been a part of your um, upbringing so it's time to reconnect back to our emotions and you know that journey can be quite overwhelming in some ways because we are not used to it but it's not difficult and it is a great time and place to get started especially if you're looking at growing as a leader especially if you're looking at yourself as someone who's part of an ecosystem um it it it's a very critical skill so i'm just going to take a pause here i'm going to have some ask ask some questions to the group yeah so i'm going to share if you if you can just grab maybe a pen and paper and i'm going to ask you a few questions the answers are yes and no and if you can just capture it in the paper it would be lovely so here's here are a few questions do you realize that there is a link between feeling and what you actually do do speak honestly from your heart from your experience and write down whether your answer is yes or no on the little paper you have in front of you are you aware of your strengths and weaknesses are you open to candid feedback and new perspectives do you still voice opinion that is sometimes unpopular but it aligns with the value that you hold dear do you still persist on seeking your goals despite obstacles setbacks frustrations take a look at your answers if you are more in the space if most of your answers are yes well done you're well on your way to becoming emotionally intelligent or you probably already are quite emotionally in intelligent if most of your answers are no then there is work to do and the work is simply understanding getting in touch with what you're feeling putting a language around it what we call as emotional literacy putting a language around that and then being able to take that pause and say okay what do i want to do with this yeah that's around self now let's look at where you are in terms of 
social awareness and relationship management. Back to the paper and pen. Let me ask you, are you attentive to emotional cues? Do you listen well? Do you acknowledge and reward people for their strengths and their achievements? Do you understand diverse worldviews and are sensitive to differences? Are you sensitive enough to fine tune maybe a presentation that you have to give to appeal to the listener? Right? If your answers are mostly yes, you know that you're listening well, you're present to the other person, and you can generally get an understanding of what is happening around you. And you're, connect, you're able to connect with people. But if your answer is more in the space of no, then it's easy to start working on it. Develop your skills on empathy. And before that, start listening well. I'm just going to take a pause here, Magda, and want to check in if there is anything that comes up for you or any questions that I'm not seeing. Sure, there is a question. Um... But the, I answered yes to everything you said. But what I found interesting is um, adjusting uh, to cultural sensitivities. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes for me, that's in conflict with doing the right thing that aligns with my values, mm. um, especially when it comes to really repressed cultures. And um, just something that I've noticed that I've never really thought about that for me, these two things, I'm aware of them, but mm -hmm. the I'm going to stand up and do what I think hmm. aligns with my values uh, usually wins. Hmm. So that's interesting, right? So when we say um, when we say that we go with what what is our value, and you know quite well that when there is a value conflict, it's very hard to work with uh, people whose values are in conflict with your own. That doesn't make the other person bad, doesn't make you bad. It's just that it, that equation just doesn't work. And there are two ways to manage it. One, like you said, you're recognizing that there is a difference in culture or value, recognizing that, and then bringing in your choice to say, okay, do I still want to do this or am I willing to not do this? And both have consequences, but it's a, it's a choice that you're making in peace. It's not a default reaction. And that's the power that um, awareness can offer you. Mm. Cool, just something that I realized. Um, there is another question. Would people who have a generally higher expressed need on inclusion and affection tend to demonstrate, tend to demonstrate higher empathy and emotional intelligence? The very fact that you've used the word expressed need, right? So if there is a need, it means there is something that's not there. It means that there is a need for more, right? So people with a higher expressed need on inclusion affection, um, they could be more emotionally intelligent. They need not even be more emotional. I, I don't see them as a cost effect, having a cost effect relationship. 
Um, I am keen to hear the direct relevance between emotional intelligence and coaching. Uh, for me, what I keep hearing is listening and presence, listening and presence, which is such a core thing to coaching, right? So uh, it's kind of obvious <laughs> on one hand, but yeah, what, how do you see emotional intelligence and coaching interlinked? Oh, absolutely, right? In fact, um, um, this is a question I would have also liked to ask uh, the audience. As a coach, right? Um, one of the competencies, in fact, now is about a coaching mindset, which says, are you able to regulate your emotions? And this can happen in three different spaces as for a coach. One, before a coaching session. When you say before a coaching session is, what is the state of mind that you're coming into the session? Are you rushing from one meeting to another? Have you had a terrible meeting and are you going to jump into the next one, which is a coaching conversation? Have you created the space for you to ground yourself, become aware of what you're experiencing, manage yourself before you go into the next one? So this is something that's very critical because it will impact your presence and your listening in the session. So this is before the session. During the session, what happens? There is sometimes a client who has shared something very emotional, something that's, that's very close to their heart that they have opened up. If you haven't developed your emotional intelligence enough, you will, you will also get overwhelmed. And both of you will drown together, right? So you would also sometimes over-identify with what that person is saying. You may want to rush and reassure the other person. You may not realize that discomfort is not such a bad thing. And change can happen from that space. So if we can hold ourselves and hold the space for the other in that session, then we become better at managing uh, the, the space. And that really reflects on how emotionally intelligent we are in the moment. I have also come across situations where coaches don't ask the other person how they're feeling. We must know that feelings are constantly driving our thoughts and our actions and vice versa. It's a continuum, it's a cycle between these three, thought, emotion, and action, continuous. And when we are uncomfortable, we may also be uncomfortable asking them what they're feeling. And if we are uncomfortable around that, we lose an opportunity to connect with the other person, to build that rapport, to be non-judgmental, to be unconditional in that space. So this is what happens, and this is why it's critical for coaches in the session. The third part of it is after the session, spend some time reflecting on, you know, some of these conversations can trigger emotions in you that could be quite strong. And you have probably self-managed, regulated yourself in the session, but it may stay with you after the session. So journaling and reflective journaling becomes an important skill to manage yourself to really understand what got triggered for you in that conversation. To really work with those areas of discomfort, to work with it, because emotions are messages. They, they get generated because it, it wants to tell you something. Just listen. 
So it's important for coaches just as much as it is for anybody else. There's another question. Can being emotionally intelligent come in the way of being assertive and decisive? This is, this is a very good question because very often um, we think, we look at emotional emotions as, you know, someone being very emotional and I'm making a difference between being aware of emotions and being emotional. And we think that if we are able to be intelligent about our emotions, we will be too soft. We will be very too accommodating. We would be always complying, appeasing, not being able to stand up for ourselves or be assertive or decisive. Remember, emotional intelligence is not just about emotions, right? It's the conversation between emotions and your rational mind. And have that conversation will, will still allow you to be assertive and decisive. Because you're choosing to be that. You're not just simply working out of your emotions. You're not simply working out of your um, rational mind. You're, the conversation happens, so you're, you can continue to be assertive and decisive. Can AI come in the way of practicing non-attachment in coaching? AI allows you to practice that. On the contrary, the way I understand non-attachment is not getting overwhelmed, not attaching yourself to the client's story, to the client's experience. EI will never come in the way of that. EI will inform you about that, about what they are experiencing and still be able to hold the space for the other. Yeah, so I'm going to take us through a, a little bit more on this. Um, just a small piece that I wanted to share with you, which is in, in leadership scenarios, right? I think that's also an important aspect of emotional intelligence. I'm, let me just get to that. Sorry. This is a statistic I think is quite um, useful to take a look at. Oops. 58% of times, EI is the single biggest predictor of performance. I've often heard that um, uh, in, in boardrooms, there's no space for emotions. I think boardrooms really generate a lot of emotions. It's just that we don't recognize it and we don't sometimes want to recognize it because we don't know what to do with it. 90% of all high performers also have very high EI. So we believe that we are able to be successful only with technical skills or knowledge, then we are mistaken. There is a little more than knowledge and technical skills and IQ that will make you a successful performer. And the game changer is AI. 70% of times people with high emotional intelligence outperform those with high IQ. There have been a lot of, look back at your school time, there might have been a lot of students or friends that you've had who always stopped the class. And there might have been students who 
didn't quite make the cut in terms of academics. But it's quite possible that they've been extremely successful because they've been able to connect with people. So it's not, it's not either or. It is the interplay of both IQ and EQ. So in leadership roles, if one needs to grow, I think it's very important that we now take cognizance of the role emotional intelligence plays. So I'm going to again go back to asking you a question. Here is something called the feeling wheel. Yeah, some of you might have already seen it. This is developed by Robert Plutchik. You'll find many versions of this on the internet. If I were to ask you, what are you feeling now? Would you be able to pick up one from this? Pick one. And if you can, do share on the chat box. You can see that there's a whole spectrum around emotions. For example, when you're really mad, this is a state of rage. That's the extreme and intense form. On the outer periphery are lighter emotions, like it could just be um, distance. It could be that you're just skeptical. There's a whole spectrum from frustration to anger to rage. Similarly, if you were to look at fear, it could be paralyzing fear, or it could just be a feeling of being embarrassed. So I'm going to stop share and check in with you. What, what, what are some of the things that you've picked up from the wheel, feeling wheel? Stimulated, thoughtful, aware, peaceful, creative, relaxed. So this is a feeling wheel which is very useful for you to keep in hand to occasionally take a look and say, mm, what am I feeling now? Developing the, uh, the literacy or the language around emotions, the, as they say, right? Name it to tame it. Because first you need to recognize. It's only when we recognize can we do something about it. We can accept it. We can allow it. And it's only when we can do that can we act on it. Yeah? We spoke about coaching and the role that it plays. We just. Here are a few things which are fundamental to emotional intelligence. We are just touching the surface here today because it's a vast topic. I just want us to get a sense of what it is and probably one or two things that you can do to develop this, right? Understand that emotion is energy in motion. They come to go. If you hold on too tight, they stay. Emotions are messengers. They bring messages to you because they serve a purpose. For example, fear. If you didn't have fear, what's the purpose of fear? If you didn't have fear, you'd probably walk into a dark, dark alley and get mugged. So fear plays an important role. It has a purpose to keep you safe. Joy, what's the purpose of joy? Joy 
tells you what is meaningful and important for you so you can go after it. Right? No emotion is positive or negative. They just are. It's our thinking or our perception around them that makes it positive or negative. I'm borrowing from Brené Brown's talk on vulnerability where she says, if you numb one, you numb all. And the beauty is the possibilities to develop EI is infinite, not like IQ. It's infinite. So let your journey in developing emotional intelligence begin today. You become more aware, you take a look at it, allow for it, and then act. And you'll see how things change for you. I'm going to stop, share, and check in if there is any, any questions that you may have. Any sharing, any reflections. Yes, name it, claim it, let it go. Yeah, we'll wait for the questions to come in, but um, I really love that. Name it to tame it. It's as soon as you acknowledge something, you give it a name, and then you kind of, you know, what you can deal with it versus yeah. just having it float there. Um, someone's asking, how can you work on improving your emotional quotient? Um, a quick one is self-awareness is about Im improving your emotional literacy. Self-management is taking a pause. Social awareness is listen. Relationship management is empathy. This is the most simplistic, basic start of the journey to developing your EQ. Yes, Abhimanyu, labeling, yes. Naming is labeling. How does it have, or what role does it have in our mental and physical health? Oh, yes. Have you tried um, keeping a balloon, a balloon that's blown full, balloon underwater? Have you tried? It'll keep popping up. It'll pop up at inappropriate times towards inappropriate people. And sometimes it does a lot of self-harm because it's got to, it is energy, right? It's got to be somewhere. It'll eat up some part. It will, it will nag you. So your energy levels will dip because you're all the time struggling to keep it under wraps. So yes, it does affect. Is there a downside to labeling? Um, I wouldn't think so. Too much of anything is not good. <laughs> so if we overdo the labeling bit, perhaps you're just so caught up in that, you forget that you've got to do something with the label that you've given. Does EI get better as we get older? Yes. Yes and no, Magda, because we believe that our experiences teach us how to manage, but if there is, if you're not aware, I have seen many people who are much older, 60, 50, 70, completely insensitive to themselves and to the other. So it is, it has no basis on the chronological age. Is naming emotion, yes, dependent on vocabulary. It will be different from, yes. 
The idea of naming is not to get the name right. The idea of naming is to bring it to your consciousness. So what Magda may call as frustration may be just discomfort for me or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It's just their language, each one's language. Uh, there's a couple of questions on the best tool available to measure EQ. Um, Travis Bradbury in his book, EI 2.0, the book itself offers you a tool to be able to measure. So you've got to buy the book and it's got an EQ tool in it. Um, you could do um, assessment from six seconds, one of the largest emotional intelligence network in the world. Um, there are assessment tools there which help you to, you can take one of those tools to be able to gauge where you are. Um, someone else is asking about the role of gender, which I really want to hear about. Are there differences in emotional intelligence EQ among genders? Um, no, there isn't. It's just that women are more comfortable perhaps in expressing it than men. And this comes from the societal messages, right? Boys don't cry. You've got to be tough. You have to be brave. Even when you feel fearful, you've got to appear brave. So the societal messages create that kind of a divide. But it's a myth to say that women are more emotionally intelligent than men. It's each one, it depends on how you develop it. Yeah, this whole nature versus nurture uh, emotional intelligence argument is, is fascinating to me because just personal experience, you know, I was I was raised to think that I can do anything and to be resourceful and to be tough, uh, which was a product of being the firstborn like in my family and living in communist Poland where there were so many restrictions. And my parents, you know, couldn't do a lot of things. So what are you going to do? You're going to encourage your kid to be able to do everything. And now that I'm older, I, I am resilient. I am tough. I am resourceful. Uh, my family does come to me when they need help with something. But the same token, I frequently get the kind of feedback like, oh, you just don't understand how I feel. Or why are you like this? Why aren't you, you know, I'm crying. Why aren't you crying? I'm like, I'm thinking of how to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, you know, to them, I'm not empathizing. Um, so it's, yeah, it's quite interesting. This whole, <laughs> we should do a whole course on it. <laughs> right. And um, this, is, this is the thing, Magda, this is the start of emotional intelligence, right? When you're, this is a trigger for you, you're noticing something about you. And really to understand where is it coming from? What is it generating for me? And how do I manage this? So when I say pause for reflection, that's a momentary management tool. But if you go really deeper, it's about checking in what are my patterns of reaction? How do I typically feel? And therefore, what is it that I do? What's my pattern? Also asking yourself, where did this get triggered from? What am I trying to protect for myself? So that is for a deeper introspection reflection. And that is, that is how you go deeper into the space. Um, I think we should wrap things up because it's been an hour. So uh, Priya, is there anything else you want to share or? 
should I just off, yeah, ask anyone who has other questions, put them in chat. I will take a note of them and I will get them over to Priya so we can uh, include them on the blog. So we can answer them and add in other resources. So please, everyone, chat storm, anything else that's on your mind? Uh, Priya, do you want to close the session? Yeah, I just wanted to close the session, Magda. One, to say uh, thanks for the opportunity from, to, to share this, this something that's very close to my heart, like I said, when I started. And it's, I'm also continuously on my journey to developing my own intelligence around emotions. How do I leverage them? And I would really encourage everyone here to read a lot more about it and um, be comfortable getting in touch with your emotions because they are saying something to you. Listen so you can leverage it. Thank you so much for being here. And um, like Magda said, do shoot out the questions. We'll be quite happy to answer some.